Hello everyone, this is Amy Logan, uh, your host of Lone Tutor Crusader. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is my third attempt of recording this episode. I have to apologize, I did say that this episode was going to be out yesterday. And as I am new to the podcasting world, I recorded it. I had 44 minutes of talk time. I really felt great about it. Went to download it and release it. Couldn't find it. It had disappeared. So if you're a host of a podcast or you work with podcasting, you know exactly how painful that can be. So I spent the better half of last night and early this morning trying anything and everything to get it up and going. I couldn't do it. So I, I, I kind of bit bit the uh, bit the old one and decided okay I'll just re-record it I have my talking points down no problem so I went to do this at nine o'clock in the morning at the kitchen table and I'm working with a new microphone that my husband got me so I was a little not so comfortable with it and as I recorded it my cat Daryl Dixon decided he wanted in on the action and came right up to the microphone and gave it a loud meow. It's actually a pretty funny blooper, and I uh, I did post it. So if, if you're listening to this podcast, you can check out Jane Boleyn, uh episode two, blooper reel. It's only about a minute, but it's pretty funny. So I'm going to jump right into this because after three attempts, I really want to get this thing out today. Uh, I do have a couple of shout outs. I got some great feedback on this podcast and I'm really thrilled. It, it really, it, it meant so much. So thank you everyone who reached out to give me praise and tell me how, how good it was and how they were looking forward to more. I have some specific shout outs that I would like to do. And the first one is to Claire Ridgway. She's the British writer of history books about the Tudors. Tudor dynasty with more of a focus on the Anne Boleyn family. Uh, since 2009, she has been running the websites The Anne Boleyn Files and The Elizabeth Files. Um, I, uh, uh, Jane is definitely, or I'm sorry, excuse me, I'm getting names mixed up already. Claire is someone I really look up to. She's, I see her as sort of a mentor. She, she was so great in, in, pushing me to do this and to get out of my comfort zone and to jump into a podcast. I had met Claire through a previous podcast that I was a part of and unfortunately it didn't work out. Um, so I haven't been podcasting in about a year and Claire was really great with messaging me and telling me really to get back into this. And that really meant a lot, especially from someone with standing as Claire Ridgeway. So big shout out to Claire. Thank you so much. My other shout out is gonna be to my sister, Alana, and my niece, Ash. Uh, They both gave me some great reviews. And if you recognize these names, then you are a listener of the True Crime Crime Podcast. I'm tripping all over words. True Crime Podcast uh, section. They are the hosts of Morbid, a true crime podcast. They also are the hosts of a Max Cutler uh, podcast, and it's called Crime Countdown. It gets released every Monday. 
and they discuss 10 unsettling true crime stories. I love it. I look forward to it every Monday. Uh, Morbid is definitely a lighthearted jump into some serious true crime. They do a great job of giving you all the evidence, talking about it, and, and, and giving you some great points. So they, they are truly one of the number one true crime podcasts. So to get their thumbs up really meant a lot. So big shout out to Ash, Elena, and Claire. And having said that, let's jump into Jane Boleyn. So last week, I kind of gave you a soundbite as to what we were going to be talking about in this episode. So throughout history, Jane has been painted as this vindictive, evil woman who gave the damning evidence about George and Anne that, you know, sealed sealed their fate. I believe Jane has been a bit of a scapegoat throughout history and someone that we could look into and, and just jump into this this um, title of this evil, horrible woman that took down her husband and her sister-in-law. And it's been fascinating because you have to think to yourself, why would this woman do this? So when I got into the Tudors, which was several years ago, I've always loved history, but I, I've been uh, more into uh, World War One and World War Two. Those were really my specialties. And as you know, with history, it's a bit of a rabbit hole. So you get into subjects that you weren't otherwise aware of and you can find yourself very taken by them. I don't know anyone who cannot be taken by the Tudors. They are so fascinating and they have so many major players who are are enigmas. And Jane is one of those people. Uh, So when I first jumped into Tudor history, and I was reading all this information about what a horrible woman this was. And, oh, my God, she took down George. Why would she do that? Why would she take down Anne? You know, I'd sit there and thank God, if Anne had been able to finish out her rule, what, how would England be today? It's so many what-ifs. And I think, that, I think that's the other uh, attraction that we all have to the Tudors, is we can definitely play that what-if game. So I decided I was going to jump more into Jane Boleyn after getting some information on her that perhaps she wasn't all evil. Um, once I did read about her and, and this, you know, the evidence that she possibly gave, and I started Googling and learning about it, I was stunned to see that there is actually no evidence of her doing this at all and that there seems to be more evidence that Jane, I'm not gonna say had a happy union with George, but it it wasn't noticed as as unhappy and actually enjoyed a pretty close relationship with Anne. And there is proof of that. Uh, The evidence that we do have that Jane was this terrible person came centuries after her execution. A major bit of it came from Bishop uh, Burnett, who uh, lived in the 17th century. So if you're keeping track of dates, already you're going to question, well, he lived centuries after Jane. He claimed to have this intimate knowledge that Jane would run to the king with every little story and went to him, uh, went to the king with this information that possibly Anne and George were enjoying an incestual uh, relationship. So I find a lot of things wrong with this 
first one being um, the bishop lived centuries later than Jane. So I'm not sure how he would have this intimate knowledge, seeing as how nothing was written down. And obviously we did not have all the social media that we could go back and check a search history on. So again, we have to question uh, how Bishop would get this information. Uh, we also have to remember during these times, you would use the rumor mill to warp someone's uh, reputation in order to champion whatever cause you were trying to champion. Champion. So I'm sure the bishop was trying to do that, but you know that evidence is is pretty questionable. I have to say, and that's that's definitely one of the things that you 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 have to question. There are so many problems with that. If Jane was going to the king with all these stories, one, the king would have lost his shit immediately, and I think he would have taken George and Anne out on his own. At the very least. You know, Henry was never alone. So if Jane was giving this evidence, there was someone in the room, uh, most likely Cromwell, which we do know he uh, obviously had a very major uh, place in the downfall of the Boleyns. But it would have been written down and that would have been gossiped. I mean, obviously nothing stayed sacred and quiet in Henry's court. There was a huge rumor mill at all times going around. So one of the people that I think would have absolutely written this account down and sent it back to Spain is uh, Chapuis, the Spanish ambassador who had a true hate for the Boleyns. I mean, he was beside himself with rage. He would not refer to Anne as Anne. He, he usually referred to her as the um, concubine or the whore. So I have to question if Chapuis had this information, he would have gone running with this. And it, it, it would have been wonderful for what he was trying to champion. He was a huge champion of Mary I. Anne and George were trying to push this reform on the church where Mary obviously was Catholic as her mother was. If Chapuis had this information, he could have given that to Mary and Mary could have used that as Mary at that point would have probably used anything she could to get herself back into the king's good graces because we have to remember she was banished at this point. She would not sign um, the succession. And I mean, obviously later on she did just to you know, get, her, get herself back into the playing field, but that's a whole different podcast on its own. So again, going back to Chapuis, I have to believe he would have used that because it was a major, major thing to play at that point. And it's not written down anywhere. Now, if it had been written down, then it did not obviously survive through the centuries. So that's a huge problem right there. That seems to be what people play off of. Uh, another thing that a lot of people take into account that at her execution, and I'm paraphrasing at this point, she made the comment that she deserved this death uh, for her offenses to the king and for her role in the downfall of George and Anne. Untrue, was not said. Not sure where that account came from, but a lot of speeches and things that were passed down through the centuries were obviously embellished upon. 
one major one that we've all heard is Catherine Howard saying that she came there to die as a queen, but she would have rather died the wife of Thomas Culpepper. Again, never said, very romantic, would have been wonderful. But any scaffold speech that was given, it was typically to apologize for their offenses, praise the king, and beg that he would not um, apply repercussions to the condemned families. So, you know, very romantic, love to think about that, but unfortunately that did not happen. So as I said, we do have more evidence of Jane being in the good graces of Anne and George. One major part being that Jane was placed very high up in the procession that Anne had through the streets of London once she was crowned. Um, She was right after the Lord um, Chamberlain and the Master of the Horse. Uh, That position was very far above her Viscountess um, title. She was placed higher than Anne's sister Mary, which at that point, you know, where Mary was is questionable. But that speaks volumes right there. If Anne did not enjoy a good relationship with her sister-in-law, she would never have placed Jane so high up in that procession. Uh, I, I don't think she would have been placed in that procession at all. So that's more evidence that I can see that Jane enjoyed this good relationship with Anne. Further down the line, Anne and Jane conspired together to have a woman of uh, Anne's ladies in the court removed because she was having an affair with the king. Uh, They conspired together to have this woman removed and to have Mad Shelton, who was another Howard girl, placed in his um, line instead. Because the way that Anne saw it was if the king was going to have affairs, she would prefer that the king have an affair with another Howard girl that she would be able to manipulate than another woman who had nothing to do and didn't care about the Boleyn's um, position or what they were trying to do. So after they conspired to do this, Jane was actually banished from court for several months. We have to look at that. That would have been very shameful on her family. It certainly didn't make George look that good and obviously did not make Jane look good something else we need to question. Why would Jane put herself in that position to be looked down upon and be removed from court if she did not have at least an easygoing relationship with Anne and a somewhat good marriage or a comfortable marriage with George? She wouldn't have put herself in that position. That didn't make her family look good. It didn't make George look good. It certainly didn't make Anne look good. And lastly, it did not make Jane look good. Why would she do that if she was this vindictive, hateful woman and wanted to do everything she could to bring down the Boleyns? Questionable. Other bit of information. Women at that time were just chess pieces in a uh, game of chess. They were used to raise their family up in standards. They were used to get titles, to gain lands for their family. Jane, I don't believe, would have, put, would have put herself in a position that her family 
could have been hurt by what she did. Again, women back then not only were they used at that point, they didn't have a a, a, a voice, and I don't think she would have ever taken that route to bring her family down. Her family would have suffered um, money-wise, lands-wise, titles. She enjoyed a very comfortable position and very comfortable wealth at that point, being George's wife and being sister-in-law to the Queen of England. That is more information for me to at least Occam's razor and look at the simplest explanation that this we do have actually written down. We have written down, we have evidence of her involving herself in having a woman removed from the court to help Anne out. We have it written down, her position in Anne's procession through London. Those are favorable accounts of Jane. So these are written down. Nothing is written down of this terrible, terrible, evil woman at all. We don't have that. And if it was written down, then it didn't survive through the centuries or it's still out there for us to find. Um, I have to believe that it's probably not out there, but you never know. Absolutely never know. So again, the Occam razor theory is the simplest explanation is probably your truth. And I believe that Aunt, or that Jane had this comfortable position and certainly would not have risked that if she, if she could. So moving forward to the downfall of Anne and George, all the women of the court and Anne's ladies would have been questioned. There was no way that Jane could have gotten out of that. Much like today's questioning, uh, they could be questioned for hours. Now, they were nobles, so they were not tortured as commoners would have been. But words could be easily twisted and manipulated into what they needed as evidence to present to bring down uh, Anne and George. And again, the, they were questioned for hours on end. Um, Cromwell had a very, very... <laughs> Um, he had a talent for twisting words and, and putting words into people's mouths. So if she did, in fact, give any information, I think that it was twisted. I don't think it's what... I don't think it was clear, hey, my husband is having an affair with a sister-in-law or a sister, the queen. Her evidence is never is not written down. So it was either loss or she gave it verbally and we obviously don't have evidence of it. She is never referred to as George's wife or Jane Viscountess, Jane Boleyn or Lady Rochford. She's never mentioned in the evidence and what we have written down as these ladies were questioned. So that's another bit of information. I think that if George's wife had this damning information, that would have been all over the place, huge. And I don't even know if they would have had a trial at that point. I wonder if Henry would have just had an attainer at that point because that was enough evidence to damn them both if that's what Henry wanted. So again, that information speaks different to me of as um, of this woman not being the horrible person that she was. 
Another bit of information that I think people took and ran with is during the trial, George was very outspoken. He did such a great job at defending himself that the、uh, court was actually betting that he was going to be found innocent because of this great job that he had done. One of the things that George exclaims during his trial is to condemn, and I'm paraphrasing. Paraphrasing at this point, to condemn me on the words of an one evil woman. We could look at that and immediately say, "Oh yeah, that was Jane." But George, being as outspoken as he was in this trial, I have to believe he would have mentioned his wife by name, saying, "Why would you take her? Why would you take my bitter wife's information or her testimony?" And think that you can damn it with me. She hates me. She wants to see my downfall. I have to imagine that that would have been mentioned by name, hardcore. They would have needed it, I believe, at that point. I think just to say that Jane George's wife said this again would have been enough to sink their ship. And it's it's not it's not given at all. Another bit of information that we have after. Or actually, I'm going to go back a little bit. During George's imprisonment, Jane writes to Master Kingston,、uh, inquiring about her husband. And George was not allowed to write her back, but asked Kingston to say thank you, and it was a pleasant exchange. Now, if George had known that his wife had sunk his ship quite literally, why would they have this nice exchange? I I would have to believe it would not be nice. Another bit of information. For the rest of Jane's life,、uh, she wore mourning clothing、um, in mourning of her husband George. Now, at the time, there was a certain amount of time that you were expected to wear the mourning clothing, but Jane went beyond that. She wore that until her death.、Um, after the fall of the Blinds, she was、um, absent from court for a while, and then she was brought back to wait on Jane Seymour. And wore these mourning clothing. Now, one would have to look at that and see it as she was being very defiant to the king. The king had ruled that George and Anne must die, and here Jane was wearing mourning clothing. So that was kind of like a big finger to Henry, I think personally.、Um, and she, she was a lady in waiting to Jane. Anne of Cleves, and then obviously Catherine Howard, which unfortunately was her downfall. And that right there, I mean, her part in Catherine Howard's、uh, affair with Thomas Culpepper. Yeah, wow, that's deep. I don't even know where to go with that. There's so many different positions you could take with that. So many, and again, that will be a. Podcast for another time, because wow, that that's a deep one to get into. So these are my points that I really wanted to go over and and bring out and maybe give people a a moment for thought to maybe think about Jane Boleyn and see her possibly in this different light,、um, and see that the evidence that we do have written down that we can bring forward again. Gives us a, a deaf, a different look of this woman that, again, through history, has,、uh, I believe, has been the scapegoat used to、um, 
for Anne and George's death. She's been used as, well, Jane did it. You know, Cromwell had a, had a obviously big play in that. King Henry did. We don't know who else. So I think she was used as a scapegoat. And uh, anything nasty that could be said about her. I mean, it, it, it's part of today's society. We, we all want to hear the bit of the gossip and the terrible thing uh, said about one person. And we're more likely to believe the negative than we are the positive. If she came across as this positive person, she wouldn't be nearly as interesting as she is on paper as this vindictive, terrible, terrible woman. So going forward, I am going to cover her position next week into Catherine Howard's affair with Thomas Culper, Culpepper because I, I, I think that's only right to follow her, follow her through and do a deep dive into that uh, because that case to me is just fascinating. And we, again, we don't have a lot of evidence. We don't have a lot about it. So I'm going to follow Jane Boleyn through to Catherine Howard, and, and we're going to talk about that next week. I think at that point, Jane was not a very popular person at court. I think that she was looking to have a friend, any friend, I'm not sure. But we're going to dive into that next week. So thank you for listening. Uh, this is part two of the Jane Boleyn series that I'm doing. If you liked this episode, please give me a positive review. Um, I am available on a bunch of different platforms, the latest being Podbean and Spotify. So definitely give me a review, good, bad, or indifferent. This is how I'm going to learn. This is how I'm going to get suggestions as to what to do next. And absolutely, throw me some suggestions. Let me know what you want to hear about, and I will truly cover those and get deep into it. So I hope that I've made people do a little thinking about Jane Boleyn and maybe do a little, possibly you can do your own deep dive into her and come up with your own theory. But this has been the Lone Tudor Crusader. Amy Logan, your host. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next week. Thanks guys. Thanks guys.